Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw. On this Wednesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, What's going on? Hi, what are you laughing at? Uh, I'm laughing because when I went and spoke to that class this weekend yeah. at NAU, somebody on Twitter asked me if the class said that to me when I when, oh, I, when yeah. I came in. What's going on, Bernsey? What's going on? No, nobody did that. the the funnest the, the funniest thing about talking to that class is that yeah. a lot of the students came up to me afterwards and said, and I quote, "My dad thinks it's so cool that you're here talking to us." Close quote. And I felt. so so old. <laughs> so you are. <laughs> I know, I am. I am. But I felt so old. I'm like, oh, that's great. Tell your dad I said thanks. <laughs> and I was like, Geez. My grandpa said he started listening to you when he was in high school. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of, oh yeah, I texted my dad that you were going to be here today and you know, he thought that was really you cool. Yeah, we take a lot of calls now. Back in the day, callers had nicknames. It was Pizza John and Corduroy Alex and Bob from Tempe and like everybody had these names. And you know, like like Pizza John, like he's a grandpa now. That guy used to listen to me and Ash when he was in college at ASU delivering pizza. He was Pizza John because he delivered pizza. Yeah, and he was the high school. He was a, he was a college kid. He was a college kid listened to the show. Had a family of his own. Now he's a grandpa. Like I'm like, damn, like damn, 28 years just man, like that. I'm gonna be a grandpa. You're gonna be a grandpa. I'm gonna be a grandpa in the middle of August. Man, son and daughter-in-law who they. Have- haven't been married a year yet. <laughs> Their one-year anniversary is coming up this weekend. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be a grandpa in August. Looking forward to that. Let's yeah. go. Let's Don't waste go any time. Us. No, no. Don't waste any time. <laughs> no, they did not. How you no. doing? No. <laughs> Stop. Stop. This is my kid you're talking about. Seriously. This is my, How you doing? This is my, this is my offspring you're talking Stop. <laughs> Stop. They're married. It's perfectly fine. Exactly. Oh, God. Oh, God. God, Lauren, hit the thing. Hit the thing. Burns and Gambo. The weigh-in. Brought to you by the Vitalized Weight. Yes, we do have to keep the Burns family tree going. And sometime in August, they will. Got to keep this Suns game, Suns team going. Frank Vogel this morning, Newsmakers Week on Bickley and Murata. Every game is going to feel like a playoff game, you know, quite frankly. You know, there, there are. There are a ton of really good teams. Uh, we saw last year when a team like the Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic doesn't even make the play-in tournament. Just just how um, how close the, these races will become. Uh, there will be a team this year that you know has super high expectations that doesn't make the playoffs you know or doesn't make the play in even you know and um you know that's why every game matters you got to come out of the gate strong and, and win as many games as possible again that was frank vogel this morning as part of newsmakers week with bickley and Murata. the sun's uh, post all-star break portion of the schedule begins tomorrow against the dallas mavericks coming right out of the shoot with a very very important game against dallas tomorrow a very important game and you better believe we're going to be talking a lot about that one. Gambo, here's your snapshot moment as we stand when these 27 games start. The Phoenix Suns right now are tied for fifth in the Western Conference, but they have the tiebreaker over the Pelicans, so they're fifth, and technically the Pelicans are sixth. Certainly these teams appear to be separated into tiers right now. The top four teams in the Western Conference are all separated
separated by about three games. Then there's an absolute traffic jam from five until roughly eight, in which all those teams are only separated by one game in the loss column. The question that we're all trying to figure out, and there's been a lot of ink spilled and a lot of words written on the internet about it in the last 24 hours. Can the Phoenix Suns move out of five and move up, or should they be more worried about falling back in the standings and holding on to what they've got? That's what everyone's trying to figure out okay. right now. I don't see this team falling back in the standings. Okay. I don't see it. They've been gradually moving their way up as they win more and more games. Now, you mentioned that the 27 games remaining, a lot of them are against good basketball teams. 19 against teams that have a 500 record or better. Right now, currently, the Suns are a 500 team against opponents with a 500 record or better. They're just 15 and 15. I think that they will play better than that. In those games, I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, to get to the top three. The Nuggets may be within reach, but I don't see New Orleans or Dallas or Sacramento passing the Phoenix Suns. I definitely don't see Sacramento passing the Suns. Uh, the Dallas one, I'm not going to say I'm nervous about it, but I'm going to point out that tomorrow's game is the tiebreaker between the two teams, right? Yeah, the, Dallas is playing well. The, the, they've won six straight games going into the break. So the winner of tomorrow's game between the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks has the tiebreaker between the two of them should they end up tied. So it's a very, very important game, obviously. Um, with help from looking at the standings and our friends over at Brightside and whatnot, to take a look at the standings, one thing that they did point out is that there certainly are opportunities for the Suns to move up if they play well. And by that in particular, the top four teams in the West, and in case I didn't mention it, I'll mention it again. Minnesota's one, Oklahoma City's two. The Clippers are three, the Nuggets are four. The Suns play each of those teams twice over the next 27 games. Now, part of that is what makes the schedule so daunting, but part of that is what makes the schedule so control your appealing. Own you, you can, can make control, a move you can control your destiny. if you're winning some of those games against some of those teams. You know, I sent a message to John Hollinger today, and he got back to me, but I was just like, you know, he did this piece last year on, you know, the Suns and some of the issues with where you're going to finish and type of play that they had, and it was really good. He had something today, uh, you know, to go along with what we're talking about right now, and he said, historically, the fourth seed only makes it out of the first round half the time. Okay. Additionally, history tells us a top three seed is an essential condition for realistic title contention. Okay. So Hollinger with, and he's great at these type of stories. Yes. He ended up being right on the money last year. He said, kind of, here's why their sons aren't going to be able to win the championship and gave you all the reasons why. And I think last year was more about like where you rank offensively and where you rank defensively. And if you're not in that mix, you usually don't win. Well, he ended up being right. Here he's saying that history has shown that if you're the four seed, you only make it out of the first round half the time. But he says the top three seed gives you a much more realistic option. So look at the standings. Can they get to a top three seed? Well, let's take a look at the standings and see how far back they are. Because right now, the L.A. Clippers are the third seed in the Western Conference. And as it stands right now, the L.A. Clippers are 36-17. and 17. The Phoenix Suns are 33-22. and 22. So it's a They're five game Five games back in the loss column. With yeah. 27 to play. I think that's going to be really difficult to make up five on any of these top three teams. They're playing well. Those These teams are all playing pretty well. Yeah. Minnesota, I'm surprised that Minnesota hasn't come back down to earth. I'm surprised at that, but they haven't. Oklahoma City, I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who 
Obviously, was was part of that big Paul George trade. He was on the Clippers. He got traded to Oklahoma City for Paul George and all the draft picks. And he's been phenomenal. He might be win the MVP this year. Very young team. I kind of thought they would struggle a little bit too, but they haven't. Maybe no. in the playoffs they yeah. will. Maybe. So but you're five behind Oklahoma City, five behind the Clippers, and six behind the Timberwolves. That might be difficult with only 27 to play. 37 to play, 40 to play, okay. 27 to play, not much margin for error. You're going to have to play really great basketball to get into that top three. You are, and again, against a, an incredibly daunting schedule. Just just as a matter for my own, you know, for my own sake here to, to mention this, I'm sure the reason why Hollinger, you know, points that out about four and five, I think it's worth pointing out, there's probably not much of a difference for the Suns if they finish four or five. And I think that's why it's important to point out that the four seed only wins about half the time. I don't think we should get too... The home court advantage is nice, but as we've talked about, teams can go on the road and win road games. It happens in the NBA postseason. So Hollinger basically saying that the Suns finish four, the Suns finish five. 50-50. It's a 50-50 yeah. coin flip proposition. The top three thing, I would imagine, is just based off of the history of the NBA. Most teams that go to the NBA Finals probably finish in the top three when it was all said and done. And I would imagine the odds would tell you you just have a much better percentage of getting into the NBA Finals if you're a top three team. I don't... I, here's where... I, I don't want to say the Suns are exempt from this, because they're not. But I, where I do wonder if the Suns are at least a little exempt from the top three thing. Had they been fully healthy all year long, would they have been a top three team in the West? Would they have, would they, if we look at their win percentage, when all three guys play and project that out over a full season, are they, in essence, a top three team in the Western Conference? And does that kind of take away? You know what I'm saying? You well, know? We said the same thing last year. What if you had Durant for the full season? Would you really be, would you rank this in this spot offensively and defensively? If you had had Durant, because that was the argument last right, year. Right. Suns aren't going to win it because here's where they rank offensively and defensively. Okay, but they didn't have Durant for the majority of that. So how do you really judge it? I understand exactly what you're saying. The answer is I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. One last thing about the schedule. Um, if you're looking at the four teams in front of you and you're asking, can the Suns catch him? The Timberwolves have the 22nd toughest schedule remaining. The Thunder have the 23rd toughest schedule remaining. What are the Suns? Denver has the 24th toughest schedule. The Clippers have the 7th. The Suns have the 1st. So the, the Clippers so the, are the Clippers have the tough have of those four, the Clippers have the toughest. So you're not catching Minnesota or Oklahoma City. Minnesota, OKC, and Denver. 22nd, 23, 24. So Denver may actually pass the Clippers. Potentially. Okay. Yeah. okay. And there's even some thought that the Clippers might rest some guys the closer they get, knowing how vital health is to them in the postseason. So maybe they'd be willing to take a step back or two in the name of giving some of their guys off. We'll see. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Wednesday afternoon, Corbin Carroll's ascent through the ranks of Major League Baseball. Is there a Devin Booker parallel? There might be, and we'll highlight it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. It's Vince Murata. Join us Thursday. Newsmakers Week continues with some of the biggest names in Valley sports, including Cardinals GM Monty Fort, Josh Bartlestein from the Suns, Derek Hall from the D-backs, and Jerry Colangelo. It starts at 6 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, busy day tomorrow on Newsmakers. Make sure you're listening from 6 until 10 for their now annual tradition on the Bickley and Murata show of going yeah. through all the top newsmakers in the Valley, yeah. right? We're going to have the non-top newsmakers 
Lakers on the Valley later on in the show. Uh, Bob from Buckeye is going to join us. <laughs> Tim from Tolleson. Um, Scott from Arcadia. <laughs> That's not true. And uh, Larry from Queen Creek are all going to join us on non-newsmakers First week. First of all, two things. Uh, we don't have a caller segment scheduled today. Uh, and number two. No, no. It's not a caller segment. We're just going to bring, oh, we're just gonna bring them the on and say, hey, non-newsmakers. Hey, you know what? You're not making any news. Well, guys, just give us a call. No Tell news. us what you're up to. Yeah, so all over the Valley. We're going to hit different areas yeah, of the Valley. Uh, People hey. have made no news at all. We're going to have them on. It's Len. I'm calling you from a drive-thru at the In-N-Out. Should I get the double-double? Should I get it animal style or should I get it normal? I don't yeah. know, Len. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, He's uh, not making any news, Len. So, yes. So, that's the, so, so we do on the Burns and Gambo the show. Gambo show. They get the newsmakers. Non-newsmakers. And we talk to you. Yeah. You listening in your car right now. How about that? <laughs> that's not true. First of all, it's very disrespectful of the guests that we have today. Thaddeus Young is going to join us today. There you go. He's a newsmaker. He is. He yeah. is. Actually, it's his first interview since joining the Phoenix Suns. Is this will be his first interview? I believe so. I don't believe he's talked to anybody wow. yet. Wow. So Considering he's been on the Sun six times already in the last 12 years. <laughs> that's not true. And Kellen Olsen, our Suns guru, is going to join us. He's a... More than a guy sitting in an in and out drive through line. More than a guy. <laughs> he's not yeah. a newsmaker, but I was a girl sitting in an in and out drive through yesterday after I left. You went the to In and Out? Oh, yeah. did you? I went to In and Out. What's your go to? I'm really boring. I get a hamburger, I add chopped chilies, and I get an extra toasted bun. Wow. Wow. <laughs> an extra toasted bun. Extra toasted bun. What do you do with the extra toasted bun? Well, you eat it. N- no, I get I get bread? the bun. Extra toasted. Oh, extra toasted. Not like an extra bun. Oh, okay. I thought okay. you got an extra oh, bun. Oh, you got an extra bun. No, just extra toasted bun. Yeah. Look, okay. this this may sound crazy to a lot of you. I don't eat a lot of fast food burgers and stuff, but if I did, like my favorite is still the Whopper with cheese from Burger King. It's old school, That's still right my favorite. I think the Whopper with cheese is my favorite out of all the burger places. That, that's You are old school like that. Your yeah. classic throwback. Just, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Don't eat exactly. it maybe once a year, but I do like that the best. All right. Uh, duly noted. Okay, now that we've all got our in and out order all squared away, let's talk about Corbin Carroll. And um, they're doing this rollout on MLB Network where they're Hold kind it. of revealing the top 100 players in Major League Baseball right now, right? And I, I the, the sound that we had from this, it's... It's not a whole. It's basically just a highlight package of Corbin Carroll. So I'll just give you the big reveal right now, and tell you that they think that right now, today, Corbin Carroll is the 18th best player in Major League Baseball. So it got me thinking, and I know we're going to talk about this, but Corbin Carroll is top 18, Major League Baseball's 100 list, the NL Rookie of the Year, D-backs were in the World Series last year, 25 homers, 54 stolen bases, he's only 23 years old, and he's already in the top 20. Bernsey, I, I sent an email to say, look, we should compare him to Buck. Because Book has always been in his NBA top 100 list, and he's had that 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 ascent year after year after year. How does Corbin Carroll compare not to other Major League Baseball players, but to another superstar here in the Valley as far as where they rank in their current sport? You were able to do the homework. It's usually Kevin Pelton or somebody at ESPN does this yeah. NBA top 100 list, and I know we've always focused on where Booker is. I wanted to compare that to where Corbin Focus. I would say we've borderlined, almost obsessed with where Devin Booker is on this list every single year. Not to so see much if he anymore. Can get into the top ten. Yeah, and, and and Booker's ascent, if you will, starting with the 2019-2020 season. So basically, the, the well, that was the bubble year. That was the year that ended with the Suns in the bubble. Okay, so starting from that moment on, Devin Booker at the beginning of the season was number thirty. 
Oh, and what year was that? Uh, that was the, the, the bubble year. That was, that was going 20, into 2019, 2020. Okay, so if I take off four years, that puts him at exactly the same age Corbin Carroll was, 23. Okay. So Booker's 27 now. Minus four years, Booker was 23, Corbin Carroll's 23. Okay. Carroll's 18 in his rookie year, Booker was 30. And keep, and keep in mind, too. This was before the Suns were good. Going into the 2019 season, they it was good. year one of Monty Williams. Not a whole lot was expected. Great point. Year one of Ricky Rubio. The team expectations were very low. It ended with them going 8-0 in the bubble. At the start of the year, Devin Booker was the 30th ranked as the 30th best player in the NBA. The next year, he moved up to 17. That was a big jump. Yeah, it was. So he's where Carroll is now. Yes. In a, 20, a year later, he's at the same spot where Carroll is, 17-18. The next year, he moved up to 15. Okay, small jump, not a big jump. The next year, he moved up to 10. Okay, that was that. It. So he got into the top 10 at age 26. And then this year, he was number 11. He, he took a, dropped a slight spot. step back. So, I, I, so he got into the top 10 within four years. Or th- is it three years? Three. 30 17, 15, 10. Yeah. So within four years. At the start of the 2022 season, he was number 10. He was considered the 10th best player in the league right. in the NBA right You see any comparison with Corbin Carroll? I, you know, yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, certainly where Corbin Carroll is at kind of a similar stage in his development. I, I just, I wonder if it's going to be harder for Corbin Carroll to make this rapid ascent for a couple of reasons. Why? Because pitchers are part of this, too, for me. So you're dealing with two. If we were just talking about position players, then I could see him going up, 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 and up, and up. But as long as he's also in the same grouping as all Major League Baseball players, I just wonder if the talent pool, the talent pool is larger in baseball than it is in the NBA. There are more baseball players to choose from than there are in the NBA. And if you're not going to separate it by position players to pitchers, I, a, I I wonder how much higher he can go. It's a great you know? point, because if you, think, if you count it as only five, just the five guys that are on the court, not the bench guys. Very rarely that a bench guy is going to end up being in your top 20 in the NBA. You're talking about about 150 guys, 160 guys. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about, you know, if you go to baseball, you know, you're talking about nine players on the field, but then you're adding another four starters. So it's basically 13 per team instead of five per team. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, if it's, you count all the starters. Yeah. The player pool that you're drawing from is more than twice as much yes. in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So I think that has something to do with it. And I think actually, honestly, that has mostly almost everything to do with why I don't think Corbin Carroll. And the other question I have about Corbin Carroll is how much better is he going to get? Where's and I don't want to say she was a a rookie last year. I know. But but where you look at his numbers and you tell me where are the gains? And I'm not saying he can't. I'm asking the question batting honestly. Average. Where are the gains? Batting average. Is it batting average? Yeah, batting average. Is it a little more pop, a little more home run pop? That kind of faded a little bit in the second half. That's a good point. It faded in the second half. Um, but he did hit 25 for a guy that's smaller in stature. Right, but if you're trying to figure out... Can he get out, to 30? Yeah, right. Can he get to 30? Can he become... A 35 home run guy in Major League Baseball Ooh. eventually. Ken is batting average. What did, he, what did he end up hitting last year? What did, what did Corbin Carroll end up hitting last year? You don't know off the top of your head? I'm going to guess it was around 280. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking him up right now because I couldn't guess. remember off the top of my head. I think that's where he can make the game. 285. 285. Okay. 25. He was, he was 285 batting average last year with 25 home runs. He slugged he slugged 506 last year. Is he going to do better than that? I, I, I don't know. Okay, I don't know but, if it's realistic to, add, to ask him to be better than that, you but know? two numbers in baseball stand out. Hitting 300, hitting 30 homers. 
If he can do either one of those things, it might catapult him a little bit. Now, the question I would have to you is take Booker's ascent from number 30 to the top 10. Can Corbin Carroll get in the top 10 in the next three years? Okay, well. Can he get in the top 10? Number 11 is Bryce Harper. Number 12 is Mike Trout. Number 13 is Matt Olson. That's so can he be better? And then we don't even know who's in the top 10. But if we looked at it, we could probably come up with a pretty couple good factors guess. here. How many guys are older players that are in the that are ahead of him? How many guy? how many of the top 17, the top 17 guys? Because he's well, Carol's 18, right? Yeah. Out of the 17 guys, how many of them are going to be past their prime in three years? Yeah. In three years, how many of them are going to be past their prime? That's exactly what we used to say about Devin Booker. Right. Guys are going to fade. fall out? Who's Who's, going to fall out? Who's going to slip? One of the guys that slipped for Devin Booker was Chris Paul. Chris Paul was a guy who's routinely ranked ahead of him, even when things started getting good for the Suns. Eventually, Devin Booker passed him on that list. Pardon? Um, Yeah. And and can he get to the top 10? In the next three or four years, maybe. It depends on what kind of slippage there is for guy number 10, guy number 9, guy number 11, right? What the slippage is. And it depends on how much more his game grows and where it grows. Is it batting average? Is it power? Is it things like that? Uh, We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're not going to miss any of our show. You can listen to us whenever you want. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. Kevin Durant took a long, deep dive into himself in a podcast broadcast that was released in the last couple of days. How he compares himself now to how he compares himself then is some stuff you're going to want to hear about next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Luke. The Phoenix Suns return to the court tomorrow night to begin their playoff push. So what will be the key to getting off to a fast start in a loaded conference? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Yesterday on the Birds and Gambo show, uh, Lauren was quick on the draw and was able to turn around some sound very quickly, right? Yeah, like the, like the Wild Wild West. Quick on the draw and able to turn around sound from Kevin Durant's. Was it, uh, best uh, Western. Best uh, Western you ever watched. The best? The best Western uh, movie. Uh, Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Forgiven. Clint Eastwood. Machine okay. Hackman. Unforgiven. Magnificent. There you movie. go. Mag- yours? All right. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of them, but yeah. I'm going to look that one up. I might watch it. Directed Unforgiven. By, directed by Clint Eastwood, released in 1992, starring go. Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman. Morgan Freeman. Richard Harris, Morgan Freeman. Uh, there you go. Excellent movie. Excellent, excellent movie. Uh, anyway, quick on the draw, Lauren. So Charles Barkley over the weekend says, hey, Kevin Durant's not a leader. Devin Booker needs to be the leader of the Phoenix Suns. Whether Kevin Durant was responding directly to Barkley or whether this topic was covered either way, uh, Lauren was quick on the draw and pulled this soundbite from Kevin Durant's like hour and a half long video that he did with his business partner from the boardroom. I don't, I don't know if it's a podcast. I don't know if it's a... Not the boardwalk. Not the boardwalk. Not under the, the boardwalk. Nope. The, the boardroom. The boardroom. But um, they look like they're outside of it with the fire pit. Fire pit and having a cocktail yeah. and just having a good old time. And Kevin Durant says, yeah, okay, overlook me as a leader if you want. Whatever. Oh, hold on. Matic as my peers, I don't have a personality that's like fit for TV like my peers. And a lot of those stories of what we talk about don't get spoken about in the media. And that's just really what it is. It's like you got to sell what you're doing as well. 
and I haven't sold it enough, you know. And I feel like I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say I'm not one either. Yeah, and we talked yesterday about the things that he does that exhibits leadership. It just might not be in the classic sense of being a leader. If right? I said to you that there are moments in Devin Booker's career where that personality shined, okay. He leaves a pair of signed book ones, finders keepers at the All-Star game. Okay, that's like showing it, right? But what Durant's saying is, I don't, what did he say? I don't show it as much. Right. Okay, Booker falling on the ground and then like kissing the baby. <laughs> right, they're or, in the or game. Doing the, or doing the knuckles with the, the knuckles, baby. The knuckles, the knuckles with yeah, the baby. Yeah, like yeah. that stuff plays really well to the crowd that is not in the NBA circle. Yeah. Booker leaving a pair of signed book ones at the All-Star game, finders keep, like, that became a pretty big story. Book doing knuckles with the kid became a big, pretty big story. Book dating Kendall Jenner became a pretty big story. I can't name one person KD's ever dated. I don't know if he's married. I know, I know nothing about him. His personal life is very personal to yeah, him. Yeah. But Devin Booker's is really, it's out there. Very much you so. Know? Very much so. so. You know, and then you open your stuff up for a whole lot of things when, you're, when your public persona is out there. Yeah. And, and, and that was of all, and like I said, this was a lot to kind of pour through. We've tried to do our best to pull out the parts that we were the most interested in. You and I, and Lauren too, because she was the one who spent all the time cutting all this up. I think this one stood out to the three of us, and it kind of plays into being overlooked as a leader and the stuff that you were just talked uh, talking about now. And that's how Kevin Durant compares himself now to how he was when he was younger trying to establish his stardom in this league. I love 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 this answer no i kind of like being this right now not saying uh this not saying what i was in my earlier years was fake because i really was i really wanted to be a part of nba story like when you spoke about the nba i wanted people to speak about me too you know they don't speak about the lebrons the d roses at the time the kobe's i'm like i'm playing well enough to like when you talk about the league you should speak about me too and i wanted to be that so like i wanted to show people more of my personality my funnier side or my kitty side or what i enjoyed about being in the nba i cared about showing the fan bases and the people who followed the league i cared about showing them that because i thought that's what like superstar players supposed to do and over time it just became exhausting you know what i'm saying it's not like i'm it's something against like wanting to be that brand or wanting to be out in the public like that but it's just like i like my own space and i like doing what i'm doing without having any obligations i like that better like you know what i'm saying i was just that side was fun too i had a good time and it built and then and and there's a foundation for a lot of what we're doing now but i enjoy just moving how I move right now and I think it's just all the evolution of like you know wearing all black or you know doing one or two commercials every couple years and not being as talkative as we were before but just doing the work behind the scenes I kind of like how we approach the stuff now what was that? What was that? <laughs> what was that? What was that noise like this? Was, was that coming from like look at each other's like if you're watching online, you're like, what are they doing? We don't like looking around like <laughs> what, my phone, your what's, phone, what is it? I, my phone's turned down. Man. What was that? Where'd that come what from? That, yeah. Was that just a can you play the last five seconds of that just to see if it's on there? Uh, no, no, I can't. Oh, okay. I'm not playing the whole thing. All right. Um man, that was a incredible answer. It became exhausting trying to be that guy. That's not me. That's not who I am. I don't want to be out there like that. I tried to do it because that's what I thought a superstar had to do. But man, that was exhausting trying to be somebody that I'm not. I like my own space. 
I don't want to be out there like that. I thought that was an incredible answer to like, I'm a young superstar in the NBA. All these guys are out there. They're doing all, I'm going to try to do it. But then I, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm trying to be somebody that I'm really not. I really like that answer. Uh, it was on the soundbite, by the way. Lauren, <laughs> we, we don't know why. We don't know how it got there, but it was on the sound. That, those, those little chime bells that were going on in the background. No, I love that answer. Too. I, I, because it, it, I think it explains, I think it explains why maybe this version of Kevin Durant is going to be a little different than the other versions we've seen the last few years. And, and here's what I mean by that. Like a week ago, we were talking about there was some anonymous hit piece in which people were, oh, if they don't win a championship, Kevin Durant's going to get shifted. He's going to want out. He's going to look around a little right. bit. And, and you they don't know him. And, and I just, I think th- that older, that younger version of Kevin Durant, maybe this version of Kevin Durant, I, it just doesn't sound like that's what he's about right now. You know, he just wants to refine his craft, get better at what he does, go out and play and not worry about all the other stuff. Now, will he clap back at guys on social media? Sure. Well, is he still active in that regard? Yeah, you know, I just follow KD on Twitter, and you'll yeah. see him every now and then. He'll he'll get into it with some guys, but in certain, because you feel like you have to defend yourself to a certain extent. I, like, yeah. I've, I've been there, you know, and you know, but people take shots at me on social media. You feel this need to defend yourself, like you don't know what you're talking about. And I think it's Kevin Durant sometimes when he sees people taking a shot on him social media. He's like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. You really have no idea. You're out there putting this stuff out there, and it doesn't make any sense. So he feels the need to stick up for himself. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, um, one last thing that I want to play from him on playing with Devin Booker and what he what he didn't realize about Devin Booker. His mentality, when it's time to hunt and to kill, he's all about that. And he doesn't let up either. And I've never seen somebody, uh, well, I've seen it before, but playing on the team with somebody, you look up in the first quarter, he can easily get 25 to 30 points in the first quarter quickly like that. But just his mentality to go score the ball is something I underestimated. I didn't truly know it was, uh, it was at this level. And that's, and, and, and I'm sorry, going back to what he said before. That's why I, I don't think Kevin Durant's going to get too much in a twist about what Charles Barkley no. had to say. You know, all right. And, and, and I, somebody made this point too. Charles Barkley calling out a guy for leadership skills is a really, really funny little bit of hypocrisy. Was he not a good leader? I, I, he, was, I, he wasn't what I would consider to be a great leader on that battle. I thought Dan was more of a great leader on that team than Charles was. Really? Uh, yeah, Charles, wow. Charles was the star. Make no mistake mistake he was the star but in terms of of i i never thought of him as the leader of that team i always thought it was more dan marley and kind of his intensity that set the tone but whatever I, it doesn't seem like kevin durant is going to get all in that much of a twist about what charles barkley has to say because I, I think kevin durant kind of a i'm not a leader like that you know I, I don't have that personality maybe when i was younger i would be worried about having a personality yeah, like yeah. that no i don't really care he's sitting really there care that much he, about that anymore hour plus conversation sitting there on a chair talking to this guy and fireplace going on. Then halfway through, Devin Booker shows up with a bunch of guys that just got done playing golf. Like, and KD's like, "Hey, what's for dinner?" He goes, "I don't know, man. I just texted you that. What's for dinner?" He goes, "Let me know what you want." So that was that was a funny part. Like Booker just shows up and talking about like, "What's for dinner?" That's good. So stuff. they were having dinner together. Uh, thanks to the boardroom for letting us play some of that stuff because it was really really good. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, for others, for some, it's a nightmare scenario for the Arizona Cardinals in the drafts. For others, like us. It might be exactly what we want to have happen in late April to the Arizona Cardinals. We'll tell you what it is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Social Poll. Presented by Sanderson Ford. Lauren, I love this question. 
And I didn't come up with it. This is, unless unless Gamble came up with it. Not I, me. No. Is this 100% Lauren Koval here? This would be a brainchild of me and the web desk. Oh, okay. I want to give mm. the web desk credit. Okay. I, I like this one. I, I didn't know what it was because we didn't have a chance to talk about it pre-show. It was a little hectic around here. But I just went to the Burns and Gambo X page. I really like this one. Spring on Gambo if he hasn't seen it yet. What do you got? All right, Gambo, you ready for this? I'm ready. Who do you think will be the sun center in crunch time for the playoffs? Kevin Durant, Yusef Nurkic, or Thaddeus Young? Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's what I liked about it. Because it's such an you think it's such an obvious answer with Nurk. I'm with Gambo. I, I I bet that small ball lineup. Yeah, we're gonna see it at the end. All right, I'll give that a, a retweet. Kevin Durant, what's our audience say on this one? 54% with Nurk, 35% with Durant, and 11% already for Thaddeus Young. Cool. Join us at 4 o'clock, by the way. Thaddeus Young? Ish. Yeah. Ish, yeah. Ish, 4 o'clock-ish is when we'll hear from him. Not Ish Wainwright. 4 o'clock-ish is when we'll hear from Thaddeus Young. All right. Uh, good question. Uh, thanks to you and the web department for coming up with that one. We do appreciate it. Uh, you can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page, at Burns and Gambo. One word on social media on X is where you're going to find that. In the meantime, the Arizona Cardinals, the scouting combine just a few days away. The rumors are going to really get hot and heavy about what's going to happen in the draft. Guys are going to move up the board. Guys are going to move down the board. We'll get a lot more intel, I would imagine. Um, dream scenarios. And I think anyone who listens to our show, you know, I don't want to paint ourselves into a corner on this one. And I certainly don't want to fall prey to like groupthink where you and I are thinking the same thing. But I'll admit it. You and I are both thinking the same thing on this one. If there's an opportunity for the Cardinals to trade back a couple spots, we're both very intrigued by that depending on what happens in front of them, obviously. And we're not the only ones who think that. Bleacher Report called that the dream scenario for the Cardinals. Dream scenario to trade back, and it's it's my favorite scenario that's on the board for them at number four, trade back. I don't, you know, if, if Harrison's gone, I don't want them taking neighbors there. I, if they're going to make a pick, I prefer an offensive lineman. But I really love the scenario of, of trading back. And, you know, they, they it was basically a story on, you know, trades for every team. I mean, it was a Russell Wilson trade, a Justin Fields trade, a Brandon Ayuk trade that were in there. But, you know, they they talked about what the Cardinals could do at number four and trading down. And, you know, they talked about how they traded down last year from number three and then to number 12 and then back up to number six to take Paris Johnson Jr., which was a very good pick. And they talk about how tempting Marvin Harrison Jr. could be at number four. But they talk about trading back, which, again, you know, this team, we, we've discussed Atlanta, trading back with Atlanta and other teams as well to be able to get a really great player, but then add a plethora of other picks. Look, there is, we have no idea. The hinge point, I think, is going to be what happens with New England at three. We assume quarterback goes one, whether it's the Bears or somebody else, probably the Bears. We assume quarterback goes two to the commanders. At number three, that's what everyone's trying to figure out what's going to happen there. Is our New England Patriots going to go with a quarterback? They've kind of hinted that they might, but then there are some others who think that any quarterback they draft, they would ruin because their roster just isn't ready for a rookie quarterback, not knowing what they're going to do. The risk in trading back, I like it too because I like picks, I like accumulation of picks, and I like them addressing many needs. The risk 
by passing out of four and not taking Marvin Harrison Jr. if he's there is for back-to-back years, you might end up passing on a player who would have looked really, really good in your uniform. Will Anderson and then... Yep, yeah, I get it, and, I get and, it. And, and, that's, and I'm not saying that's a reason to not trade back, but that's something that you have to think about. Not that you're going to care about how your fan base reacts to that necessarily, but you, you don't want to go passing up on... Elite players in the name of accumulating picks, if those players are true, difference makers. Will Anderson Jr. was a difference maker for the Houston Texans last year. And if you do that in back-to-back drafts, you just you better be sure that your picks hit later. Because if you start stacking up, well, they could have had this guy, but they didn't. They could have had that guy, but didn't. Then you're going to start to wear that like a brand if you're Monty Austin Fort. You don't want to wear that like a brand. The year they passed on Terrell Suggs. Hmm? They ended up with two players with that pick. They ended up with two players. It was it was uh, Brian Johnson and Calvin Pace. Yes. Ugh. Okay. Uh, yes. Ugh. Exactly. Yeah. Now you passed up on Will Anderson last year, but you were able to turn it into Paris Johnson and the twenty seventh pick this year. If you get a good player at twenty seven, you can make an argument whether you want to or not. You can make an argument that okay. You got Paris Johnson Jr. starting tackle in this league, and you've got who went maybe a starting cornerback, a starting edge rusher. As long as it's a good player, I think it's almost okay to pass on one guy because now I'm getting two. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is going to come a point. Uh, you, you know, you play this game too often. There's going to come a point where you pass on somebody that's a generational type player. Yeah. And for some people, um, that point is now. That point is here. That point will be the fourth pick in the draft, and Marvin Harrison Jr. staring you in the face. You can't not take him. Um, and and look, all of this depends. I said it just a second ago. All of this depends on what happens at three. If Marvin Harrison Jr. goes at three, and one of the three quarterbacks is sitting there at four, I don't think there's anything to think about if you're the Cardinals. I don't think there's anything to think about at all. You sit back, you feel the phone calls, you watch them come in, and you make a move. And hopefully it's not too far down. The Bleacher Report story suggests like eight with the Atlanta Falcons Falcons would be a good spot. spot. I I worry outside when you start talking about like 12, because you know me, I want to get the best player at a position of need. And once you get past 10, 11, 12, now you start talking about the second, the third best players. Look, Malik Neighbors might be a good player. It's not Marvin Harrison Jr. It's not Marvin Harrison Jr. Come on. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, you know, if you, I don't want to end up with Malik Neighbors unless I'm getting a whole lot of other picks to kind of play that out. Well, you it, know? It, it, and a lot of that obviously depends on how. I don't mind Malik Neighbors as long as it's in a reasonable spot to take him. Eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there. Roma Dunze, I don't mind that. Eight, nine, ten. I think I'd, if I'd you're, rather go offensive line. But, if, but you're talking about one of those guys, then you really can't fall very far. You, you, you're Joe Alt, it's probably going to be the fifth player taken in the or draft. Or Fashanu. You know, and Fashanu, maybe you take him. I'm sure, well, I don't know if I'm sure. You could probably get him around seven or eight, the tackle out of Penn but State. But outside of 10, you're not getting either of the top two tackles. No, no, they're gone. And you're not getting either of the top two wide receivers. And then you start to wear, okay, you know, then is it worth it? You got to question yourself, is it worth it? Because, yes, you need quantity, but, like, you got to have quality, too. I mean, the Cardinals are lacking great players. Aren't a lot of Cardinals on the list of the top 50 NFL players, the top 100 NFL players? You need to have some great players to win. Mm-hmm. You know, not just your quarterback. You need other great players to help you. Yeah, and the offensive line, it, it's not sexy. I get it. Um, and if Mar- if it goes quarterback, 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 and Marvin Harrison Jr. is sitting there staring him in the face at number four, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. 
I don't I don't know if there's going to be a there's going to be demand for Marvin Harrison Jr., but our team's going to want to move up to get a wide receiver. It worked last year with the edge rusher. Is it going to work again this year? I don't know. Will they? Will they have the offer? I don't know. It's it's that's kind of where we don't know what the Patriots are going to do. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, great article this morning on ArizonaSports.com about the things the Phoenix Suns can do over these last twenty-seven games to make them great. The guy who authored that article is going to join us next. Kellen Olson in studio for his weekly segment here on the Burns and Gambo show. That's coming up here on Arizona Sports.